Hey everybody, this is the Disco Posse Podcast, and thank you for listening. We've got a really, really cool discussion with Rob Telson. And Rob is not only just someone who was really fantastic to spend time with, but in his day gig, he's the VP of Worldwide Sales and Marketing at a company called Brainship. And they're doing some really, really amazing stuff around enabling machine learning and getting closer to low power at the edge. This is a really, really strong story on a technology. And not only that, but I talked to Rob about a ton of stuff that really will give you some ideas on how to build and run an incredible organization. All right. But in the meantime, I got to make sure that I give a shout out to all the folks that make this place happen and make this podcast possible. And that begins with our good friends over at Veeam Software. That's right. If you haven't already downloaded and run it and deployed this in your environment today, do so. It's literally this easy. Just go to vee.am forward slash Disco Posse and you can check it out. They've got a really, really cool empowering series about enabling your AWS uh, hero inside. They've actually got a really cool comic book you can go. So if you go to that link, it'll link you up to some of the stuff they're doing with AWS. But literally, it's virtualization, bare metal, uh, on-premises, in the cloud, even backing up stuff like SaaS, so your Teams environment and things like your SharePoint online, your Exchange online. Oh, that's right. It's not backed up just because it's in the cloud. Spoiler alert, that stuff can go away. Ransomware, hello. So if you want to make it ransomware zero, you one, then the place to do it is by going to vee.am forward slash discoposse. That's right, go to veeam. Heck, even if you do go to veeam.com. They're really, really good people. So it's V-E-E-A-M. Do that. All right, and also one more thing. If you want to be able to enjoy protecting all of your data and digital assets, do it while enjoying the most amazing, digitally and diabolically awesome cup of coffee while you're at it. I am the co-founder of Diabolical Coffee, and we've got something amazing because, number one, fantastic coffee. Number two, amazing brand. So whether you want an amazing coffee or an amazing t-shirt, this is the place to go. Plus, profits and some of the proceeds go towards enabling folks in under-empowered uh, communities to make sure that we can bring more people to events and into the technology sphere because that's kind of what I'm passionate about. So go to diabolicalcoffee.com, check it out. We've got this amazing limited edition shirt by the one and only Zine Rashidi. It's called Devil's Breath. Go to the limited edition tees on the main menu and you can find it there. All right, this is it. This is Rob Telson. Go check it out. Hi there. I'm Rob Telson. I'm Vice President of Worldwide Sales and Marketing at Brainship. And today we're having the Disco Posse podcast. Rob, thank you very much. I I was, you know, first of all, I get excited by being able to see a name that shows up that as a human is somebody that is very interesting to chat with. And I've been lucky. I've I've gone over some of your your own content and your your producer of content. You've you've got a really solid voice and a great way of of really leading a, a discussion, which is cool. And on top of that, I looked at Brainship, and it was 
pretty darn excited about the potential of what's there. So before I jump in and I start just gushing over the good stuff, I, I did want to, for folks that are new to you, Rob, if you want to give a quick introduction and we'll then we'll talk about yourself. We'll talk about BrainShip, the Akita platform, which is really cool, the technology and kind of what's what's being done with it. And we'll kind of run from there if that's all right. Yeah, well, uh, Eric, thank you very much for, for, first of all, for having me on the podcast. And, and likewise, I've had the opportunity to uh, listen to some of your podcasts and, and you've had some uh, um, pretty talented people on. And so I'm, I'm actually excited and honored to be here. And uh, I feel like I have some, some big shoes to feel. Uh, fill in the, in the discussion, right? But uh, just real quickly for the listeners out there, um, BrainChip's a semiconductor manufacturer, and we've developed uh, uh, an artificial intelligence processor. And um, it's, you know, it's architected uh, to function similar to a brain. And it's, it's based off of continually learning as we go on the device uh, that we're implemented in. And it's, it's processes without any dependency on the cloud. Uh, and that will become a lot of our discussion today. And, and, and last of all, it's, it's architected in a way that um, it consumes very little power or energy. And by doing that, um, it gives you a lot of flexibility and functionality to do a lot of things in the world of compute. Uh, a lot that's becoming very common to all of us but it's going to evolve over time. But before I talk more about um, BrainChip and, and our processor, which is called Akita, and, it, and for those listening, Akita means spike, and we'll get into that in more detail. Um, I really wanna talk about the problem that we see happening and why Akita is going to play a major role in solving a lot of potential challenges in technology moving forward. So, right. so, so what I, what I want to bring up is um, three words that in, in my world mean the same thing. And there's a lot of technologists out there that will give you buts, ifs, ands, whats, and so on. <laughs> but the reality is we're talking about the same thing. So let's think of IOT based devices and let's think of edge based devices and let's think of endpoint devices. They all mean basically the same thing. And that is we're really, really far away from the cloud. We're doing a lot of compute. And in most cases, especially as we evolve, um, that compute goes to the cloud and then it goes from the cloud back to the device, okay? Uh, and, and, and I'm gonna reference edge-based devices and I'm gonna reference instead of quantum uh, AI processors, deep learning accelerators, GPUs, MPUs, I'm going to use the word AI engine, the engine that's processing this information. So if we look at the, the evolution of edge and we look at the evolution of these devices, uh, over the next five years, um, we're looking at hundreds of billions of devices. And these hundreds of billions of devices are going to be demanding easy access of information to the cloud and back. And to put that into perspective, uh, we're looking at, I don't know, 
I think it's forecasted there's going to be 90 zettabytes of data going from edge-based devices to the cloud and back. So we all need to, you know, take a step to the side, put ourselves in the driver's seat of our car and realize we've just hit a traffic jam. And what that means to anyone who has a smartphone right now or has a personal assistant, voice personal assistant at home, like an Alexa, or um, let's say using Siri, an Apple-based device. Um, I don't know about you, but there are times when I've said, um, uh, you know, Siri directions to this address, and Siri says, I cannot help you right now. Or, you know, play Fleetwood Mac. Can't help you right now. Okay. So what's going on there is that the device is trying to communicate to the cloud, but doesn't have access to it. And uh, we've all just been accustomed to dealing with that for those that have experienced that. And you just wait a couple seconds or whatever and you move on. But let's fast forward. Let's fast forward to this evolution of edge-based devices and let's think about vehicles. Let's think about unmanned vehicles. Let's think about flying vehicles. Let's think about drones. Let's move into medical device applications. Let's move into industrial applications. We've got an issue. Four doctors in a remote location trying to save someone's life, needing access to the internet, and they don't have bandwidth to the cloud. Okay, the device needs to be able to do some processing on the device. And uh, that's where we see Akita making some massive impacts. Uh, the other thing that Akita can do, which gets really exciting, is it has the ability to learn on the device. Um, we call that one-shot training or one-shot learning. So you're adding new images. You're adding new functionality to the device as you go. Um, this is the growth and evolution of artificial intelligence. And we're, we're able to do that um, because we are architected in an advanced way using what's called the neuromorphic computing architecture. And neuromorphic computing is architected to function um, much like a brain. And what I mean by that is for our listeners and, and for you, Eric, um, right now your brain is moving and it's consuming energy and it's listening to everything I'm saying. That is important to you. But being a fan of yours, I would hope you have a cup of diabolical coffee sitting <laughs> right by your side, right? And you I can like smell that. that fresh coffee. But your brain's not spending a lot of time on that. And it's not spending a lot of time recognizing that your hands are resting and you're touching something and your feet are touching something. And or so there's some... seen. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So so what what going back to what I said earlier, you know, Akita is 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 the the you know it's we it's also references spike. Um, we focus on spiking or events, and that's what makes us extremely unique and extremely advantageous as we move into this next generation of AI is that, look, we can function and focus on all these different things that are going on, but we're consuming all of our energy on the event that's taking place right now. Their traditional engines, as I referenced before, could mean a lot of different things. Those traditional engines have to process and compute all of this information, they are burning, they're consuming so much energy and power uh, and they're moving faster and faster and faster to solve the same problem that we're gonna solve in using microwatts to milliwatts and using a lot less energy and, and, and gives us a lot more flexibility. So I know I said a lot there, but that's 
giving you a, a little bit about brain chip. Well, and I'd say that's actually the perfect, that's the perfect segue to something that's very important about this, the challenge that we're trying to solve, right? Is that it's, you know, it's one thing for me to, to yell into my phone, like Siri, we'll find the closest Tim Hortons or whatever. Sorry, I guess I should say Dunkin' Donuts, find <laughs> the closest Dunkin' Donuts. And, and yeah, I'm sorry, I can't help you right now. And like, oh, darn it, Siri. Like, like, that's fine. I, I will, I'll open Google and I'll say it's got a slow connection. That's, and I kind of get through it. It's very different than system to system, which is where, like you talk about, you know, rolling, you know, devices that are using LIDAR and ultimately need to communicate. And they need to do a lot of processing locally in, cause they have to have certain amounts of asynchronous communications and they cannot rely on every transaction being decision driving. So they have to be able to make decisions locally. So we do all this and it sounds fantastic. Everybody says, well, it's easy. Why don't you just move processing close to the edge, close to the workload, whatever. Great, sounds great, right? It sounds as great as the, the numbers that we hear when we think about the scale that we're, we're tackling. But then the first thing you think is, well, how do I drive this? Like literally the power to do this stuff in the data center today or in the cloud, mm -hmm. a fantastic, amount of power required to run GPUs and TPUs and, and all these things. So when you move to the edge now, this is the thing, like you're talking about milliwatt representation of power usage, mm -hmm. so fundamental shift in the ability of technology to act in the way that what Akit is doing yet not burn the planet down like Bitcoin miners doing this crazy blockchain processing. Yeah, it's 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 amazing. Um, I'm going to bring up an example again of of a scenario, and it's I don't want to get over dramatic, but I think it, you know, in, we always have to visualize these types of scenarios. They are closer to us than we than we realize. But you know, um, the proliferation of electric vehicles, the prolifer proliferation of vehicles, um, and the amount of compute that's taking place in, in the vehicles of today and tomorrow, um, the car is designed to do a lot of, of great things. And, it, and, and I'm a geek, so I get really excited about functionality. Useless functionality usually gets me to buy something that I'll <laughs> never use. So um, what, what happens though, is that uh, the, if, if we don't have the ability to have some of this compute and decision-making on the device and we're going to find a scenario where you're driving a car and that car sees a human and it, it knows what it needs to do is swerve hard right and get out of the way. Now that hard right to get out of the way could actually end up causing another impact, you know, and if it doesn't, if it's dependent upon communicating with an external device, whether it be the cloud or something else, it's going to make that hard right, whether it communicates or not. There is a human there. And then you find out it's a plastic bag, right? Didn't need to make the hard right. right. Um, so we need to advance. And, and that's what we're looking at. And, and the second thing that you, you know, what you brought up there, which, you know, my head was spinning a mile a minute going, okay, how do I want to, I want to respond here. But, um, you know, you start to take a look at um, devices that do consume a lot of energy. And one device that everybody has in their home is the refrigerator. 
it consumes a lot of energy. Um, and we, we look at that as these consumable, this, these consumer white goods, appliances, um, in which um, Akita is going to help reduce the amount of energy that's being consumed. We look at it and we say, um, you know, in the future, you're going to want to have the ability to recognize um, by odor uh, whether your food is is uh, stale or it has a lifespan, how do we how do we do that? And um, you know, Akita has that capability. One thing I didn't mention that I'll I'll dovetail on is that you know we focus on five sensor modalities, and two are very common in the world of AI processing today, and that's image or object detection, very similar to the plastic bag and what's out there and what's going on and and uh, the other one is, is voice or keywords. And again, something very common in a lot of the functionality that we have today. But there's three other modalities that um, will become impactful in our everyday lives. And one is the ability to smell or olfactory. Um, one is the ability to touch or vibration, um, and which is somatosensory. And then the other one is taste, gustatory. And between all of those five sensor modalities, that's where BrainChip has kind of hung their hat and said, okay, well, if we can process vibration, uh, then we can help in um, industrial applications and make things more efficient. Um, we can save uh, inf infrastructure of the roads and bridges, and we can actually help with um, – prosthesis. And um, so people that, that have prosthetics can now feel by having vibration uh, detect somewhere else in their body. Um, and we've now seen uh, with some from olfactory side of things and, 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 you know, they always say it's, you hit these, these points, inflection points by random, you know, you design it all you want, but these random events happen. Um, uh, you have, what's called VOCs or volatile organic compounds, which are breath markers. And by these VOCs, uh, you can detect different diseases, uh, illnesses, viruses, um, and even different types of cancers. So uh, with the right systems and the right engine, you can do a lot of good you can start to make a lot of impact in areas that, that um, we only dreamed of five years ago. And I think that's the important thing too. When we think of any, of any solution and what I love is enabling solutions in what you're talking about, what, what you and the team are tackling by bringing Akita to the market is that, you know, it's the old, uh, what's the show Halt and Catch Fire? My favorite, if anybody's watched that one, it's a famous sort of early episode. He says, you know, this is, computers aren't the thing. They're the thing that gets you to the thing. Mm -hmm. And so we look at what this does is as an incredible enabling function now is that, yeah, we can move to enabling prosthetics to be, you know, touch detecting. And it's like, it's, this is the stuff, like the reason why we went to the moon 
and people say like, oh, well, there's no one living on the moon. Why did we go to the moon? And, you know, when we yeah. did, well, I, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but most of the things in your house are were engineered and discovered as a result of research that we did in that we know why we call it a moonshot. Yeah. And so now you have, by giving this capability to the research community, to the industrial community, so as we go from industry 4.0, which I didn't realize we were already there, to 5.0 <laughs> or whatever it is, uh, like this is the huge, huge leaps that can be done by those communities and those creators and those researchers that are going to tackle, like I said, big problems. This is this is like what quantum as a concept, yeah. you know, brought. And, and it was it's a very, it's so far out of the realm of, most people's mathematical understanding that it becomes like a, yeah, yeah, one day. But it's when you show this and you bring this and you, you, you show people what can be done now with this capability, uh, this is a lot closer to the use cases that people understand, I think, in then those sort of massive concepts like Elon get landing us on Mars and such. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, it's been, uh, tremendously satisfying on a daily basis. We are constantly on calls with, um, current customers and uh, future customers and dreamers and visionaries. And, and, I tried to, I'm going to take this conversation twofold. Number one is I think it's really, really important for people to understand um, in the world of artificial intelligence, it's very complex. And a lot of people are addressing these challenges and problems and solving them a variety of different ways. So uh, what I'm trying to do and uh, is communicate that there's an ecosystem out there. And within that ecosystem, uh, you need uh, to have sensors that can detect what's going on. You need to have a data set in order to understand what you're trying to detect. And you need to have an engine that can take all that information and accurately, accurately predict and accurately provide feedback that you can depend on. So again, we are the engine. But one of the things I, I brought up before when I talked about VOCs, and, and, and it, it, it's something that we've had some success with, is, is for example, working with a, a, a couple of partners, but one in specific that's, that's over in Israel that um, I was able to develop some type of the, a breathalyzer uh, that you could breathe into, and um, it can capture information and... Um, the goal was to recognize different types of viruses or disease. And it just so happened that as they were building this product, COVID hit us. Right. So now let's apply it to COVID and Hey, we need an engine. If we get data sets and we get all this information, what engine is, is low power can operate quickly and provide us the accuracy. Right. And so we were hitting 93, 94% accuracy on these data sets to determine uh, COVID positive, COVID negative. And that's one example of what we're doing. It's amazing to think of, and like you talked about one shot and for anybody that wants to, you know, pause the show and go 
like understand what it means to be able to do zero shot, one shot, and what the, like the impact in the way this does versus the like mass data set continuous learning. It's a it's a big big change, and now to be able to bring one shot learning close to where it needs to be processed, because the other problem we've got is the data sets in order yeah. to do continuous training are potentially massive. And while we've got 5G and everybody's like, oh, well, 5G is going to be here and it's going to save the world. Well, no, you know what's going to happen with 5G? Instagram. That's what's <laughs> going to happen. YouTube, Hulu. Like, that's the, the reason why 5G is going to be full by the time it gets here fully is because we are always pacing well ahead of the capabilities with the content. And now if we look at, we're effectively going right alongside your latest you know, Hulu release or Game of Thrones or whatever craziness that people are streaming. And you're trying to do like legitimate real time neural processing. This is why being able to bring that processing and do it there. It's, it's, it's a significant need. And yeah. It's a huge boost. And mm -hmm. in, in, like I said, because right now, the devices aren't capable to do it without a significant amount of power or like it's these are large processing units deemed to be local. So doing this at, at a small scale with low power is game changing to pardon the overused phrase. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's exciting. And um, <clears throat> we're at, we're at a point where we have customers and um, you know, our business model is made up of the fact that we, we sell Silicon, and um, we're in volume production right now. Uh, and we also license our, our IP. Um, so they get an encrypted IP that they can design into their uh, system on a chip. And that then AI functionality is on that device moving forward. Um, and I think at a time like this, it's, it's, this, is, this is huge. I mean, I, I have uh, one of my colleagues says, Rob, you're on this Jerry Maguire moment where <laughs> I'm saying, you know, we have this semiconductor challenges and manufacturing and shortages. And, and there are a lot of great technologies uh, in the AI sandbox, all trying to solve specific problems and broad problems. Um, there are only a few of us that are licensing the technology as IP. So for the others, they're all um, scrambling to get wafer capacity and to get in line. And my Jerry Maguire moment is just made up of the fact that how great is it that some of these companies can incorporate our IP into their system on a chip, rely less on the supply chains and the challenges that will exist for a period of time um, and be able to, to make a move uh, as, a, as a market mover and have products with a lot of functionality on it. So we, we, we see that and I'll stop talking about my Jerry Maguire moment, but I do, I do like <laughs> to emphasize, you know, we have, we have two, two business models that we're, we're leveraging and we're seeing success in both of them. And, um, <clears throat> The other thing is, is uh, um, I look at it and, and uh, you know, we have two, two paths, right? One is, as you mentioned, there's a lot of really exciting AI applications and um, some of them are more scientific than uh, commercial focused. And we have a unique crossroads where you want to address a lot of these scientific solutions 
because they're really cool and you know you're going to do something really good and and beneficial and, and we use that word beneficial ai and 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 i think that's important um but also we have a business to run and and we are in the process of you know making sure that we have a commercialized product that all of our customers and future customers will have a lot of success with and i got to call out something which is uh, so thank you for using the best phrase on earth because you even the way you describe things you're you can tell that you're very people focused even in understanding the technology and we talked at the start like where we can go with how deep we can talk about the tech. And first of all, you go far deeper than you would even give yourself credit to be able to do. <laughs> I'm sure we could go further, but you call it future customers. That may seem like a throwaway to some people. I, I, I worked with a lot of sales organizations and every time I hear the word prospect, I cringe a little. And it's a difference in the way that you think about it, but by the way you, it's not even a thing you fight to make sure you don't say it's natural. Like you just said, you know, we're people with work with today, future customers. It's a, uh, it's, I've got a huge respect. And so, you know, uh, there's Thank you. something, something in you, you're definitely your solution and people focused. What, what brought you to that, Rob? We're going to dig into the Rob <laughs> portion of the show right now, because I, I, I want to unpack this because it's, <laughs> it's actually very rare for a senior sales leader to not kind of, just slip up and say, we were talking to a couple of prospects today. Like, and it's, it seems like a small thing. And, and I, I have a massive mm -hmm. respect. First of all, I should say this too. I got to couch this with, look, I'm not, I've never, <laughs> as they say, carried a bag for, for an organization. I, I've got a huge respect. Everyone's in sales to some degree. I've been lucky that I don't carry a quota for it. So I, I, I don't live without my sales teams doing what they do. And I furnish them with the tools to do what they do. Right. But, but you split this line where you have this, this, there's something different. I want to figure <laughs> out where that comes from. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's dig into it. Um, what do you want to know? <laughs> so what's your, what was your background? As you, I noticed that yeah. through your career, you've actually been pretty consistently in this uh, account executive sales track. Like you've, you've always sort of come in there. So where did your, what drew you to that? And then kind of what drew you to the way in which you approach it? Well, you know, um, I'm going to go back far. Uh, you know, it sounds like a, it's a short path, but when I just had my, my birthday yesterday, it's been a while. Well, happy so, birthday. <laughs> thank you. Um, so, so, um, I went to school to become a lawyer and, um, I came home from my final interview to go to law school and I sat down with my parents and I explained to them that, okay, I start in three months and dad, you're going to owe X amount of dollars when all is said and done for me to go to law school. And it was a very matter of fact statement. And my father looked at me and he said, oh, hold on a second. And he said, I never said I would pay for law school. You're on your own. My recommendation is you go get a job. Go do something and then figure out whether you want to go. So the next day I went out and started interviewing for jobs. And 
and I ended up getting a job um, selling mailing and shipping systems um, and learning about warehouses, learning about packaging devices and, and just walking door to door in a suit and tie and talking to guys in warehouses and selling products. The only thing I realized was I was really darn good at it. And I was living at home and I was making a lot of money. And I'm like, wow, this is who needs law school, right? <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> and, and about that time, um, we were transitioning to, to Windows-based operating systems. And I had uh, the one thing I, I really um, look back at when parents make investments in their children, my father was really into uh, buying computers before computers were something that everyone could get their hands on. And he had chosen Apple. So we had Macs. So I had learned how to work on a Mac OS. Um, so by the time Windows was introduced, you know, it had a lot of the same feel. Um, so the company I was working for had introduced a Windows-based operating shipping and mailing system, and um, no one knew how to use it. No one knew how to operate it. And I sat down and started tinkering with it, and before I knew it, I was – uh, you know, part of a Fortune 500 company sitting with the CEO of the company, you know, at some in Puerto Rico teaching them how to use the system. And and my my sales career kind of took off and it immediately took me into the most random decision I've ever made in my life, which was to move from this company into um, EDA, electronic design automation. And I was I was. I, I got a job with a, a very large EDA firm that brought two guys in that had no engineering background and said, one of you as a sales guy will learn how to navigate all the way to the upper echelons of senior executives. And one of you won't. And within six months, most likely one of you won't be here. That wasn't me. I was there and uh, um, was able to have a lot of success. And then that led to um, startups. That's when, you know, things in technology were starting to take off. The, the internet was becoming something of, of a thing. And this was back in the day when, you know, you, you went to startups and you tried to make some money. And um, I, was very, I was very fortunate. I used the, the phrase, I'd rather be lucky than good. I, had, I <laughs> was really lucky to be at the right place at the right time, which led to intellectual property. And again, another startup. Um, then which led to a, a, a corporate career of sales organizations uh, evolving into large sales organizations, evolving into sales leadership and um, being a part of, of a phenomenal run with a great group of people at a company called arm and doing that for a long time and running their sales for the Americas, as well as running their sales for uh, manufacturing, which most of it was done over in Asia. And then transitioning to the second phase, I call it the second phase of my life, which is I want to do another startup. I've done this before. I know what we're doing and I know what I'm looking for. And it just so happened that Neil Man Carr uh, was a customer, customer of mine and we've done business together. And, and Neil Man Carr is one of the co-founders of Brainchip. And we were having a discussion and, and uh, he said, Rob, it'd be great if you could join our company. We need to build a sales and marketing organization. And, and I think you'd be phenomenal at doing it which led to, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> and, you know, here we are months later and we're starting to make, you know, uh, impact. Um, we're, things that we're, we've, we've put in place 
all seem to be executing. Um, so this, this to me is a very, very exciting time for Brainship, and um, to be a part of this, this cycle, this revolution is really cool. So, and that might be a little long what I just went through, but no, it's uh, perfect. So it's, you know, it, it's a beautiful story because it, <laughs> it it tells you, you know, when when we choose a place to be, one of the most fundamental parts of the why is because we go there to there's people that we care enough about to give ourselves to their their life via the startup like the amount of time we spend supporting each other and supporting the organization and you know the sacrifice of families it's 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 no insignificant you know step to move to the startup landscape and especially you know you went what was effectively the the OG startups, right? This is, you know, startups now. You know, I, I've got I've got four startups that I'm running right now. I've mean, they're not startups. I've got a coffee business. I've got a yeah. I've got an affiliate website. You know, I've got a podcast. I work at a startup, which is not really a startup because it's a 12 year old <laughs> company that was just acquired right. by IBM. You know, I okay. So, I, but you, there was no other option. Like this was, there was Fairchild Semiconductor that was like the, the the crazy hero story of of how Silicon Valley truly became Silicon Valley, right? But the stories that we we don't hear are how many did try and get started, and they're very dominantly in the manufacturing and physical stuff. There was no AWS. There was no like you could just whip yeah. up a startup at a Starbucks. It's like. So the leap of faith was even more faithful in the first time that you did it. And then now, so are you, uh, what was they call it, like unemployable, right? You can't go back to the, the big company again. It's very, it's always a very interesting thing is once you hit a certain phase of growth of an organization, quite often you look back and you say, the biggest impact I feel like I've had was as it turns out, growing this company from, you know, 1 million to 10 million or whatever. And I find a lot of folks, they really are like kind of like a SWAT team for a growth phase, you know, it's, but you've spanned every phase through different ways in which you've, you've been in the industry. So I'm curious if you've got a kind of a favorite, a favorite size or favorite thing about, you know, building the team and, and building the organization. It's funny. Uh, I'm I'm reflecting on, and I was I was writing an email earlier today to my current team. We have some really young guys, very talented uh, individuals that that have a lot to of development to do. But um, you know, I have some pretty senior guys that have actually worked for me for a while in, in different environments. And um, I was reflecting on a comment by one of the young guys who was was just talking about the camaraderie of the team that we've built and, and how we're there for each other. And, and um, the fact that he was highlighting this, this level of comfort and excitement every day, it's almost like a family. And I think what I've been able to do, I don't know why there's no, there's no magic recipe, but at, it's an, it's a team, it's a, it's an organization and, and, and it's to get everybody entrusting in each other and being there. 
and then being able to uh, pick up the slack when we need to pick up the slack, being able to, to realize what we've just done is not good enough, we have to do better and um, have that mindset to win. And so uh, uh, that's carried on with me from very young organizations with a few people to very large organizations. And I think that's uh, you know part of the fun. And so uh, the other thing, what I, I at this point in my career, what I really, really enjoy is having the, the, the frank and candid conversations almost like a mentor. And there's a fine line when you're managing people and working with them and mentoring them about what could be some personal dynamics and so on. But um, when I look back at people that have worked for me and worked with me, and I'd rather say worked with me than for me, um, we still keep in touch. We communicate a lot. And there's a lot of frank dialogue about, well, what would you do in this situation? Or, And it doesn't have to be business related. It, it can be life as well. And... Um, to me, that's very fulfilling, uh, more like a friendship. And I think that's when you look back at, at life, it's it's one of those things you have to look at. What, how were you measured? What did you do? And I, I, I had the, the opportunity to, to do an executive management program called the Program for Leadership Development uh, through Harvard Business School. And one of the most dynamic individuals of his time was uh, Clayton Christensen. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. yeah. Who we and, recently lost, uh, yeah, not, not, not long ago, actually, I guess. Yeah, and I had the opportunity to to spend a lot of time with him. Um, you know, for those that don't know, Clayton Christensen is the the author of Innovator's Dilemma. But then he had a follow on book after he got he had he had a stroke, and it was called um, Your Life and How Will You Be Measured. And so, as we were all evolving, young and aggressive, and and wanting to capture the world, he was on the other side saying. Does it really matter? I mean, what about your family? What about uh, how? What mark are you leaving? And so, when you ask the question, all right, what do you prefer? You know, I, I no, we walk into an environment, determine, understand the environment, large or small, and that's the team. Let's go. Let's go be effective. And one of the things that I'm really steadfast on right now is that I have my children that are, you know, I have teenagers and I have, I know when they're not teenagers in their twenties and, um, but they're working and they're grinding and um, they're learning. And one of the things I think is important that they see some of that same work ethic from me um, to an extent. I also want to spend a lot of time with them, but I think that they, they start to realize like this podcast, uh, my daughter and her friends will listen to this podcast. So I just referenced my daughter. So, uh, you know, so, so from that end, um, I think that's, that's when, I'm, when I look at make my mark, I want to make my mark and, and for my, my friends and my family and for them to, to see that this is, this is life. This is what you do. You, you get up every day and you give it the best that you got. It's, uh, I often say the, I will, my greatest accomplishment in life will not be what I achieve, but what I help someone else achieve. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's, it sounds, I, I whenever I, th I say it or whenever I, you know, write down some of these things in the way that I, I, I do a mentoring program and I've, I've helped, you know, I've been mentored as well. I continue, it's a continuous process, right? And, uh, it's funny. I start to think, I'm like, oh, if I start writing this stuff down, it's really cool to be able to share, but then I'm going to end up being like, 
you know, what do they call it? The fortune cookie Twitter VCs <laughs> who just go on there and like get, they write threads about, you know, I've learned five things. I've talked to 500 <laughs> CEOs and this is what I've learned thread, you know? Right, right, right. But, but the amazing thing is we do now have the ability to have a much greater con continuous and direct impact on people because of the way we can communicate differently than like you, you know, by the rarity of the opportunity and your choice to take it on, got to meet one of the, the most fantastic sort of leaders and, and creators, you know, Clayton Christensen is, is widely read and, and widely respected. And, you know, I have a friend of mine and, and we, I was joking about something. I said, I said, I'm like, I'm like the, the guy from a beautiful mind of, but of, of technical marketing. And he's just like, mm -hmm. you're not going to believe it. I says, I went, I went to school and John Nash was one of my professors. I'm like, Oh mm -hmm. wow. <laughs> you know, it's, the, the opportunity to be there is different, but the other problem with abundance is also the ability to find focus. And right now, you know, it's like when you look at your wall of books and you see like, I've got 200, you know, books and effectively they're all the same, the same middle chapters and just different intro and outro <laughs> for a yeah. lot of business books or whatever, but I still read them all. And I still like, but most people, you know, it, they look, they've got the internet, they've got YouTube, they've got masterclass, they've got this, they've got school. We have so much available, but then we don't leverage it. Like we don't listen, like, you know, I, I, I read everything that my dad ever wrote, right? And like, I sat with him mm -hmm. as a kid building systems. That's how I got into yeah. this stuff is because like we, he was learning at night. And so yeah, I'm like, well, exactly. my dad's going to learn. I'm going to sit beside him, you know, if and as long as it doesn't bother him, you know, and then what happened, that was... I was, you know, 12 years old learning DBase, you know, and then I got a job at 15 years old, <laughs> right, doing data entry because it was on a on a DBase 3 system. And I was the only 15-year-old kid in anywhere. I lived in a small like farm town, and I was the only person other than my dad in that town that knew DBase. And so it was just so funny that I, that's how I got the job. And then I got into like systems development and you know, diverged you know, later on for years, but, you know, and then came back to technology. But again, it's like, the reason why I say this is just hearing that, you know, like your, your kids will take the time to listen to what you said, not from your mouth, but like, they'll go back and like, Hey, dad was on a podcast. Let's check it yeah. out. Yeah, exactly. That, that's you an know, impact. That's a profound impact. It's funny. Um, one of the things I was excited about on, on this podcast was the fact that, you know, uh, my youngest son, as we hit the pandemic, you know, uh, naturally was trying to keep himself busy. And he really, you're going to laugh in a second. He really got into coffee. Nice. <laughs> okay. You know where I'm going with this. And so, um, you know, as a dad, I'm like, all right, let's get into coffee. You know, I wasn't even drinking coffee at the time. And uh, we got, uh, we got a coffee machine and we got it. And then, and then from the coffee machine, um, we decided to up the ante a little bit and we got um, a grinder and we were buying beans from little boutique shops. Right. And we were tasting a little bit. And then I got into coffee. Now I'm into coffee and I got a machine that grinds and it brews and, you know, and, and I froth my milk and, and then um, we were buying beans from four or five different 
outlets all over the country and shipping it. And again, this was how we were entertaining ourselves. And he became the barista of the family. And he he wasn't drinking it, but he was making it. And I would say, I'll take a mocha. And my wife would say, I'll take a vanilla latte. And then my other son would say, I'll take a Americano. And all of a sudden, the barista was just in action. And That's we'd have hilarious. family over and everyone would say, make us coffee. And so fast forward, um, he's not into coffee anymore. He's done with coffee, doesn't want anything to do with it. And I'm stuck <laughs> in my coffee machine. Right? And you've lost <laughs> your barista. No more. I've got a double half calf for Rob. Oh, yeah. Rob. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yelling across the kitchen. <laughs> so, so I'm making my own coffee. And, um, you know, but he's still over my shoulder every once in a while, giving me a little bit of advice and, and pulling up stuff on YouTube. So I will give your coffee a plug. I am going to order it and uh, put it up against some of the other guys that I've, I've, I've started to build some relationships with and we'll see how it goes. Um, and that, you know, leads back to Akita with smart coffee makers and, and what we'll see in the home. And, and I do want to make sure that everyone listening, if you have a free moment, go to the, go to um, our YouTube channel uh, at uh, you go to YouTube and just type in brain chip Inc. And, yeah. Um, we'll have the links as well. I'll, I'll yeah. try and put them, remember to put them in the show notes as well for folks. We have the, the, these, these videos that we've put together that really show you where this is all going um, on smart home and um, some of the devices and applications. We will all find customary um, in our homes over the future. And I'm going to reel it back now that I, I said that and I'll tell you a funny story. Um, if you ever bump into anyone that knows me, that really knows me, and you say that Rob tells them, they will ask you, have you had a burger with Rob? <laughs> nice. So I just want you to realize that there's a potential that could happen. I'm um, a burger and- <laughs> aficionado, so I'm, I'm going to take you up on that, Rob. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to drop my California dude <laughs> on you is I'm a burger guy too, and I, you know, nice. I've had a lot of burgers. Um, So in uh, back in the day, it was it – was, uh, a very intense negotiation in a, in a, in a, in the Northwest Pacific Northwest. And, um, we had a client or a customer that future customer at the time, but then became a customer, uh, that wasn't being very receptive to the negotiation. And as we were sitting there having this discussion and I had a team of about six people, he had a team of about six people. We we're four hours into this discussion and we we're getting nowhere. And we flew all these people up for this meeting. I mean, this was supposed to be the deal. And I, at the time kind of made up, Hey, look, I'm really into burgers. And I would, we're in a town. We've never been here. I've got my, my team. Um, why don't we take a two hour break? Why don't I take my team and give me a burger recommendation. We'll go get some burgers and, We'll meet back. And, and the guy on the other side said, you like burgers? I love burgers. As a matter of fact, I'm writing a book on burgers. And he said, well, if that's the case, I want to take you to my favorite burger place. And we left everyone there in the room and we went off and, and we had burgers and we had some French fries and a couple of sodas. And an hour and a half later, we had closed the deal. Right. And so that stuck with me everywhere I went. And everyone that, that has bumped into me in my professional career has kind of stuck to this. Oh, Rob, I got to take you to this burger place. Oh, Rob. And that has led to burgers in Taiwan, burgers in China, burgers in Korea, burgers in Europe, 
And I, I'm, I've, I learned over time to, to very graciously say, um, when I'm in a foreign country, I will eat the food of choice, not burgers. Burgers are, are here. So I, I ended up um, writing a book for a close friend of mine on burgers uh, because this person had, had experienced a lot of burgers with me, as well as my wife. My wife has experienced almost every burger with me. Um, but the first book I wrote, I dedicated to my my buddy, and my wife was like, are you kidding me? You didn't dedicate this book to me? <laughs> I'm like, ooh, <laughs> I missed on that one. Um, and it's 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 it was for his his 50th birthday. But um, yeah, I, I can I can I can hang when it comes to burgers and talk about burgers and and anyone out there interested in giving me some advice on burgers, I'll take it and potentially experience it. Well, and and we think of like I said, this is why when when I listen to your podcasts and and you know the content that you create and, and inevitably any the discussions that you have with folks, it, you know this is why I I latched on to you know, what's going on with brain chip and the potential there. And that's, it's, it's incredible. So you're, you know, you've got the, you've got a choice to like go to a team and a team that it's a, it's a beautiful thing because teams, especially in startups, you know, at different phases of organizations, they're very dynamic. And what you end up having to make sure that you do is you find this kind of like top ends, like that's that vision, you know, what's the reason why we're here. And that's the thing you say, like, I mean, Donald uh, Miller's sort of fancy is what he calls yeah. the story brand. And yeah. it's, it's so, it's so easy when you, when you get used to it and you, and you start to hear it come out, but you realize that that's, it's much more than that thing. Cause I've gone into many companies and I see the, you know, the thing behind the administrator's desk at the front. And I see the stuff printed on the walls. <laughs> and and you realize that the only person that took that in was the person that painted it. You know, it, it, it yeah. it's not reflective of the culture. The culture is how you will deal with it if the walls were white. You know, the culture is how they behave yeah. when you're not looking. And so, you know, knowing why you're doing what you do, what's your vision, your guiding principle, and then taking this and then being able to have, yeah, like I said, a fantastic technology that's in an exciting area of opportunity. But it's also probably a, a fun challenge because it's not massively adopt, like the, the type of solutions that you're able to enable are still being developed. They're still in, in a lot of research areas. So it's, it's it'll be neat in 10 years you're going to be looked back and say like we did that you know yeah like you're, you're, it's it's cool to to see that but it's also this it's a very interesting dynamic of being in organizations where you're selling something where you know like they're going to get this one day and then yeah, they're going to look back and they're going to be like <laughs> oh yeah when he explained it to me, now it totally makes sense. <laughs> it's pretty impactful, and um, the amazing thing about Akita, it is wide and deep in regards to applications and and problems we're going to solve. And uh, it's it's you know this is a unique. We can only say so much, but it's it's an exciting time. And uh, as you said, in these types of technologies, when you look out in the future, when you look out of where you're going and how you're going to get there. And the impact that you're going to make, um, uh, my gut tells me that that you know brain chips can be impactful, and we've we've got a lot of work ahead of us. But but um, 
it's it's a lot of fun and, and we've got it's going to be a good ride I'm looking forward to it and it's especially you know to to go to a first principles approach in developing a solution is is amazing because you know we look at any competitive landscape and it's quite often the first thing that most people will do is just turn turn around <laughs> and yeah. sort of head for head for the door and look for another opportunity because it's it's a big challenge but you know that's what it is you choose the you choose first principles to a, a, attack a problem in a specific way do so provably and then find people that can take that and, and give it an application, give it a place in which it can be leveraged and then ultimately see the, as that comes to fruition. So yeah, it's exciting. What's the, what was the most exciting surprise you had after, you know, you were like, okay, I'm at Brainship. I like the idea. And when did it suddenly go? You're like, oh, hang on a second. <laughs> what was that, that thing that, that really kicked in for you? Yeah, one of the things we haven't really talked about is the the learning on the device. And um, for those that are new to artificial intelligence, um, and I brought it up earlier on the on this podcast, is the fact that the training a device, teaching it what to look for, and then process that information is not trivial. It is extremely complex. It requires data scientists, research scientists, um, and it requires a lot of time, six months, a year, and so on. So having the ability to have a device where we can add a feature to it, uh, add it my, my face, your, your face, um, and then use that for facial detection or, or for image detection or um, uh, in a vehicle or, or something to that extent, on the fly is huge. And so I think it was day two, day three, one of the engineers said, hey, do you want me to do a demo of Akita for you? I said, sure. I sat down and he started putting some stuff in front of it and it was recognizing everything really quickly, very low power and okay, this is pretty cool, yeah. And then I, I said, well, what if I wanna take a baseball and put it in front of Akita and, and it was using a, a data set that had no idea what baseball was. And he said, sure, no problem. Put it up there. You know, you trained it on the device and all of a sudden baseball is now part of the whole data set. And I'm taking the baseball and I'm throwing it through the, the image. It's it's picking it up as it moves through. I'm like, wow, that's really responsive. And um, fast forward, we, you know, again, we just did a presentation about a week ago where we uh, were teaching Akita beer bottles on the fly, different <laughs> beers, different brands, and then pulling them in and out of the screen and showing uh, the viewers that, hey, look, it's recognizing it really quickly. But we decided to show Akita two beers from the same brand that the label and image was so um, similar to each other that it would confuse other devices. And we were able to recognize it. We were able to to, to, to process it quickly. And the, the whole on-chip training thing is, is mind-blowing. And it will become impactful for all these, from, from industrial applications, through automotive, um, through consumer applications um, in the future. So that's the one thing that I, I get really excited about. Yeah, that's it. Like on-chip learning is, yeah. this is it. This is where... 
amazing things now are possible because you know it I'm, I'm, I literally just, I'm, I'm overly excited by it because it's just this, the potential is incredible. And this is where, you know, yeah. I've been lucky recently. We've had a lot more folks. We've sort of dive, been diving in a bit more on machine learning and, and some of the capabilities. And then you realize like it, it itself is a fairly small community relative to, you know, it's very, very, very much in the research phase so much. So compared to, you know, the broad computing frameworks, you know, so when you start to show them these capabilities and you hear about how they're trying to solve the problem, they're solving it in papers. You know, mm -hmm. it's still stuff that's being submitted as research phase. And yet they can take that blackboard or whiteboard theory now and they can literally put it into place now because, you know, like you said, Akita has this capability. And yeah. you're like, okay, cool. This is no longer just what is the theory of, of driving cars going to, you know, self-driving cars going to be like, all right, let's show yeah. you. <laughs> well, you know, the other thing is that, that, and this just happened uh, the other day and, and my guys were really excited. They called me into a room like, Rob, you got to take a look at this. I, I highlighted earlier um, uh, not uh, being dependent upon the cloud to do your processing. And um, there's a company out there that, that has a, a phone that most of us have, or a lot of people have, that has a software update coming out. And they talked about the fact that if you put your phone in airplane mode, um, you now can run uh, their assistant uh, on device without being dependent on the cloud, providing you more privacy and security. And, and my guys are jumping up and down going, we do that. But we don't do it in software. We do it in hardware. I mean, we're on to something here. I'm like, we are, we are. And, you know, and that's the other thing that you'll see. There's a lot of applications in software. And for those that are listening, there, there's a lot of great AI functionality in software, but it's in software. And what that means is it consumes a lot of energy. It consumes a lot of power because RIP battery, because yeah. there's no, the, if you're solving it in software only, I've got bad news for what the power consumption levels are. Exactly. So when we talk about edge devices and we talk about all this stuff that that's, that's, de, you know, dependent on being in, independent and functioning without consuming a lot of power, um, software is a problem. So uh, at the end of the day, so we look at this and we look at what, these leading that this leading technology company is doing and we say to ourselves we're doing the right things we are doing the right things we just we're just going to continue to march down our path and execute and 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 you know it's like i said before it's the tip of the iceberg and it is and it's uh it's amazing what what we can do and the potential is fantastic and and yeah first of all thank you rob this has been really fun uh for folks that wanted to reach you to chat further and learn more about brainship like i said we'll have links to the site we'll put up the link to the youtube uh and thank you. uh you know and what's the best way if folks want to get in contact yeah so um if you go to www.brainship.com there's a link for information. You can fill that out and it will go directly to our sales team. Most likely I'll get a look at it as well. You can reference that you were part of Disco Posse and um, I will personally respond to you um, and start dialogue. Uh, you can also go through the, the sales link at www.brainship.com. Uh, 
You can contact uh, us through LinkedIn. You can contact us through Twitter at Brainship underscore Inc. Um, but for those that are curious, I really, really um, want to emphasize um, we're using YouTube as our platform for education and understanding of the company and who we are. So subscribe to our YouTube channel at Brainship Inc. And that way you'll be updated every single time we have a new video, a new presentation. And, and when this is, is, is uploaded, I'm sure this will be on our, our YouTube channel as well. But uh, that's, those are the best ways to, to reach us. And um, uh, we'd love to talk to you and, and educate you more about BrainChip and what we're doing. But Eric, thank you very much for having me. And this conversation was great. Thank you. Nice.